0: Welcome to Heart Health Radio with Board Certified Cardiologist and Internal Medicine Specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefold. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor.
1: And Dr. Franklin Weefold is in. We've got uh, well, you know, good amount of time. Is well,
2: that like saying I'm the in kind of guy? I'm no, in no,
1: not at all, not the,
2: at all. Am I, am I the it guy? You no, know, I was you're talking not. about the it girl or the it <laughs> actor. I'm sorry. No,
1: if you remember the it girl, then you're not it. Okay, oh, shoot. you're not hip. You're not groovy anymore. Oh, I'm sorry. groovy,
2: uh, cool. <laughs>
1: All right, the right, uh, Dr. Weefald is here. Your uh, telephone uh, works, so dial us up, 919-860-9783. If you want something explained about what we're talking about or something that maybe you went to your doctor and you, eh, you were going to ask this question, but it would be better to just you know call us. Go ahead and do it, 919-860-9783. He does not diagnose on the radio. In fact, he didn't even diagnose me, and I'm sitting right here.
2: I diagnosed you. You did? Yeah. Um, You're just, you know, Dave the Man. (laughs) be careful. That's a syndrome. Be careful. Dave the Man syndrome.
1: All right. So Durham and Chapel Hill and also Raleigh are going to masking. Uh, It appears that Wake County will also go to masking. Yes. And though there hasn't been a state mandate... Uh, I you know,
2: I went to Harris Teeter today yeah. and this morning to get my you know, my pop tarts and all that good stuff. Yeah. And there's a big sign. Do not enter without a mask. Wow. But I walked through there and I had my actually in my apartment's upstairs. I didn't bring my mask with me because last night when I went there they didn't require a mask. I walked back upstairs, got my mask, walked well, good back for down. You. And most people Yeah, well, they weren't, we're not wearing a mask. They we're not doing and, it. And you know, do I think that masks are foolproof no do i think that they probably reduce the risks hmm, slightly or or maybe moderately yeah but you know it's not so hard to put a mask on no and i think one of the things that i see is that you might as well just do it i mean you know don't make a fuss over it just put a mask on and i i don't i guess i don't quite understand except there are people, and some of them in my practice, who just adamantly object to the concept of having to put a mask on. And yes, there hasn't been a controlled case study that masks are helpful, but I, I just think it's something that we ought to do. And and it may help. It probably does help.
1: I think there is a lot of hesitation to follow certain people's advice. Yeah, because they have trashed their own reputation.
2: And also, I think, and we're going to talk about this in a little bit, the experts, quote-unquote, yes. are politicized. It's clear that they're politicized. So the problem has become, do you really believe what these mandates are? Because right. are they coming from a political point of view? Right. And therefore, if you don't you know, um, adhere to those politics— uh, is that the reason? And and I think also there's mask fatigue. There's covid fatigue. Right. And unfortunately, this Delta variant is really nasty mm-hmm. and uh, it's going to hit us even harder than it has now. And I think for the vaccinated, um, you're pretty much going to be OK. Although, yes, I did hear of someone just the other day. He was fully vaccinated, but still at risk, elderly, diabetic, hypertensive, right. and that individual died of COVID, and so it can happen, okay. and that's not a reason not to get vaccinated. In fact, it's a reason to get vaccinated, because it getting a vaccine, uh, Pfizer and Moderna, and even J&J, that's been shown, right. reduces the severity and, and decreases your risk of hospitalization, admission to the ICU, and death, so... There really is no reason not to get vaccinated. And and again, it's a political thing too. Right. There are people who believe that all these ma- vaccine mandates and even getting the vaccine is a political issue and it's not.
1: There are a lot it's of not. people who also believe that the mask mandates are a political right. issue. Right. we just and, yeah, you and you know, it's sad it's hard to-
2: that and I, who do I blame? I blame the politicians. I don't blame the people who are listening mm-hmm. and and making decisions about whether it's political. I blame the politicians because it's become ridiculous. Right.
1: We're going to talk about booster shot or no booster shot. We're going to talk about kids in masks or kids in school without masks or school, no school. That's, believe it or not, here we are more than a year into it. We're going to talk about school, no school. A year and again. a half. A year and a half. Um, the heart attack treatment time th- at this moment, if somebody were to have a heart attack and they needed treatment immediately, that time between onset of symptoms and treatment has extended itself.
2: Yeah, it's down 20%. And I, I think this, it, this COVID thing has, has really slowed things down. Um, number one, because you've got to be careful and you've got to take more – precautions when for example you're an uh, EMT mm-hmm. um or a paramedic uh you've got to take precautions that takes time yeah um i think that it's also getting into the hospital so we have this thing called door to balloon time um you have a heart attack you're having symptoms you call 911 yeah the paramedics arrive they load you in they do an ekg and confirm that it's the kind of heart attack called an ST elevation, that's just a description of the EKG, and that you need to go directly to the cath lab and, and need to get a stent um, delivered by a balloon. Mm-hmm. And it's down 20%. And what we've shown is that the morbidity and mortality uh, associated with the heart attack is worsened the longer it takes to get the artery open. It's called the open artery hypothesis. And that was proved, you know, 25 years ago, that if the artery is opened and it's quickly opened, the heart muscle can recover um, and you don't have congestive heart failure as much. Right. And it's it's really a problem. And um, the studies were done, and I am actually surprised that it's down that much. 20% is a lot. Is
1: it down that much or up that much?
2: Well, in the, other words, the- it takes 20% longer. Okay to get somebody from the door of the hospital into the cath lab and have that balloon inflated. And um, I think they're gonna start maybe um, going a little quicker or, or focusing on going a little quicker, but I don't see how they can go any quicker than they are. Right. You know, back when I was in the hospital, it was just amazing what, what they could do at Wake med. I mean, we get the phone call yeah. and um, they'd have a scramble and they'd get the lab ready. They'd have everything there. Right. Patient got on the table quickly. Confirmed that they were having a heart attack. They got the catheters in and the balloon open in no time, blink of an eye. Right. So um, it's a it's a concerning thing. And the other thing is that you know elective procedures are now being delayed again. Right. And I'm really concerned about that. Um, and what is an elective procedure? Um, what do we call an elective procedure? Is it a colonoscopy? I, I don't know. I mean, I I think that we need to get those cancerous tumors out or those early cancerous tumors out. Sure. And, you know, I, I've got polyps, and I've had to have fairly frequent uh, colonoscopies, and so far, so good. Every polyp has been negative. But, you know, if I have to wait months to get my colonoscopy, is that going to be an issue in terms of that you know, early cancer becoming something worse. So, yeah, again, we're we're heading into territory that's been charted yeah. and has been uh, concerning.
1: All right. Also on today's show, we're going to talk that heart attacks actually warn you before they're coming. Yes. Uh, you will have some – You now, it's not every time, right? There are oftentimes symptoms that you experience – and then days later, you have a heart attack.
2: Yeah, and and did you ever see that movie about the dog that waited for her, its owner? Oh gosh, what was the name of it? True story. Yeah, and the dog, um, the day the guy had a heart attack, yeah. didn't want him to go. Oh no! Oh my gosh! And and he never used to catch play fetch. Sure. And he got the ball and said, "Let's play fetch. Let's stay here." Yeah. And you know, we talked about dogs knowing things, but this this guy had premonitory symptoms, and the dog picked it up. All
1: right. We're going to talk about those. Also, they found a ladybug inside somebody. Now, inside a living person. I'm going to give you two guesses as to where they found it, and you don't get a first guess. You only get guess number two. That's all the hint I'm going to tell you. We're going to talk about that on today's show. We have to deal with this. There have been two events recently. The Sturgis Rally is a motorcycle super event. Yes. In a town, really tall, small town. Yeah. Now, depending on when you're listening to this, of course, we produce this show on a Saturday afternoon, um, and we send it out to affiliate stations a week later, so I'm not, I'm not a week behind uh, for folks in Goldsboro. The Sturgis Rally ends this weekend. There has been some concern That the motorcycle rally will be a super spreader event, which we don't know now. Right. We don't at all.
2: And and last year, um, it was politicized. Uh, Most motorcyclists, I think this is probably a true thing, are eh, to the right wing of the Democratic Party. Mm, Um, Could be. Again, I'm making a conclusion. I don't have the evidence. But... They had last year about 400,000 people, which was a little less. And it was a super spreader event, um, most, you know, most major networks said. But when you look back on the data, they could only trace 69 cases directly to the Sturgis rally. Okay. And so all the stuff about how it was a super spreader event was a hypothesis. They went and tracked um, cell phone data. Mm -hmm. and they went and tracked where the cell phones went and then they saw whether the cases went up or not and so there was absolutely no direct scientific evidence that the Sturgis rally was a super spreader event right now this year um, they have about 600,000 people there right and Delta is worse than Alpha I mean our Run-of-the-mill garden variety uh, coronavirus from last year and into this year is not as infectious as Delta. Delta is very infectious, is as infectious as chicken pox, and so maybe there's there are going to be um, increased events from surges, right. but but yes, what about the other events?
1: There have been other events and other major events, but let's hear from Anthony Fauci on the subject of Sturgis.
0: Well, I'm very concerned, Chuck, that we're gonna see another surge related to that rally. I mean, to me, it, it's 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 understandable that people want to do the kinds of things they wanna do. They want their freedom to do that. But there comes a time when you're dealing with a public health crisis that could involve you, your family, and everyone else, that something supersedes that need to do exactly what you want to do. I mean, you're going to ultimately be able to do that in the future. But let's get this pandemic under control before we start acting like nothing is going on. I mean, something bad is going on. I mean, we've got to realize that.
1: All right. I l- I let that go on longer than I we think would that usually. was
2: no. I think that was good to hear what he had to say. Okay, because he, didn't he, was, trying, mention... he was trying to be nice. Yeah. Um, he was trying to say, "Please, you know, I understand," but right. But there was something called Lollapalooza in Chicago just two weeks ago. Yeah, three hundred thousand people. Did you see the picture? All crowded yeah, 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 into yeah, yeah. the square. the The mayor of Chicago said it was a great event, and lo- it was a musical thing. Hmm, hmm. Now, this is what Anthony Fauci said about Lollapalooza. Okay, there's,
1: you're not saying anything.
2: He didn't say anything. <laughs> Now, <laughs> President Obama had his birthday, 60 years old. Yes. Uh, 500 people were going to be invited. You know what they, they said? They're going to, we're going to reduce the number. <laughs> so 400 people came and they were in a tent. And you see that picture of uh, Obama dancing I around did, yeah. and everything. And then he even had a brunch the next day where only 200 people came.
3: Well, now,
2: this is what Dr. Fauci said. Oh, and they were definitely unmasked, okay? In, inside that tent, they were all vaccinated, just, just like the yeah. uh, people in Provincetown uh-huh. that Fauci did announce that, you know, it was a, a super spreader event. But this is what Dr. Fauci said about Obama's birthday party.
1: Okay, again, you're not saying anything that's. And
2: so the whole point I'm trying to make is this is a problem <laughs> in that you lose credibility. Okay. When you take political stands for public health issues. And I, you know I, and that, well, the thing that bothers me is that why didn't anybody in the mainstream press who has interviewed Fauci – and he had five interviews yesterday? What didn't they say, what did you think about Obama's birthday party? What did you think about Lollapalooza? And you know what I think his response would have been?
1: Uh, I don't know. Nothing. I think he would have disliked it. I think if you press him on it, he's going to say, yeah, I don't think
2: I don't 500 think so. people
1: should get together for a birthday so. party. I don't think
2: so. I think that he is so far entrenched okay. into the Democratic Party that you're not going to see that. And it's a shame because— You know, he asks people, why don't you believe me that you need the vaccines and the mask? That's why, Tony. Yeah. That's why.
1: Okay. This is Heart Health Radio. The telephone lines are open, 919-860-9783. Call between noon and 2 on a Saturday. And, uh, Dr. Weefall, to talk to you. Get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation. And they found a ladybug where? No, don't, don't say it. We're going to talk about that coming up next. Heart Health Radio. This is Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network. Bill and Raleigh, hang on, we're going to get to you in just a moment. Who are we shaming today? Who's this doctor?
2: Well, there's a doctor in Indiana. I used to live in Indiana. I love Indiana. Indiana is a great town. Back home in Indiana. Uh, His name is Dr. Daniel Stock. And if you've been watching him on YouTube, if you've been. Uh, watching his Instagram um, things, he sells vitamins and supplements online, uh, and uh-huh. he he makes several million dollars a year doing this. Yeah, and don't listen to him; it's totally and completely dubious. Um, his claims about the vaccines uh, causing you know uh, horrible side effects that masks are completely uh, outrageously bad. And I I think that he needs to wise up, and and not think that if he can sell his vitamins and his supplements that he's going to cure COVID. So stop. If you are out there and you are watching him, Dr. Daniel Stock, turn it off.
1: All right. Bill in Raleigh, welcome to Heart Health Radio. Hi, Bill. Hey. Hello. How are you doing today? Good afternoon. What's up?
4: Good afternoon, Doctor Weefall. Um, I was going to mention something I had—I had, uh, had heard—and maybe you may be able to put some light on this. But uh, we were talking about the Lala La Blues in Chicago. And, yeah. Uh, Obama's uh, birthday party and the Sturgis. Yeah. And my understanding was that uh, in the program I saw that. Everybody at lollapalooza all everybody had to prove uh vaccination had to prove they had both vaccinations right uh, same with Obama, but Sturgis that wasn't the case
1: well, uh, let wow. me tell you, Bill, I saw a videotape of people going into Lollapalooza. You know what the uh, check was? imagine um you're going to a concert and the turnstiles are open, yeah. And you have to wave a piece of paper in front of somebody. You get six, eight, ten feet near them, and they say, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> in other words, it wasn't a real check.
2: And and I, I will even admit that Lollapalooza probably had a greater percentage of people vaccinated. I don't see any evidence yet, and maybe we'll see it, um, that there will be uh, fewer cases in Lollapalooza than there are in Sturgis. That's the problem. We don't know. And uh, nobody has told me what the percentage of people at Sturgis were vaccinated. And I don't know. Do you know what they claim the percentage of people at Lollapalooza were really vaccinated? I don't know.
4: I have no idea. Yeah. (laughs)
2: I think, though, you know, they're always they're also talking about because of the Provincetown super spreader event, those people were vaccinated and they got it. And the question is whether they'll spread it to the unvaccinated. So if you're going to criticize large gatherings and you say that you can still pass it on, if you're vaccinated, then we should criticize large gatherings like Lollapalooza, where they made people show proof of vaccination, too. And that's all I'm trying to say. Um, is that we should be even-handed and not politically motivated when we ask people to do things to prevent the spread of COVID. That's all I'm trying to say.
1: I understand that. Yeah. Bill, do you remember when there were protests in the street? We we don't even need to discuss why there were protests in the street, but there were protests in the street. There were potential super-spreader events in 2020.
2: They never criticized that.
1: There wasn't so much coverage of any concern about
2: COVID. Yeah, at least I didn't hear the mainstream press say a thing about how that was a a COVID super spreader event. And in fact, I wish we had uh, Fauci's response. They asked him about it. And he said, well, political protests are absolutely necessary at all times. Well, um, are they necessary during the times of, of endemics and epidemics? I don't know. But that's the problem. Who can, whom can you trust in what they're saying on a medical point of view right. when there are clearly political biases involved? And I think that's wrong.
1: Dr. Weefall? Yes. Yeah. You said, who can you trust? I said, Dr. Weefall. Oh, he oh. says he's answering your question. What's that? Yeah. He says we can trust Dr. Weefall. Well, uh,
2: yeah. and let, let me tell you one of the things <laughs> that I try to do to make people at least understand that I'm trying to be trustworthy is mm-hmm. I admit when I'm wrong. Yeah. And that is that is the fundamental problem also besides political bias. Now, people know that I have uh, certain political leanings. Um, I've been told not, not to express them as much, and that's fine. But I have criticized conservatives who have been idiotic, yeah. and there have been plenty of them. I think Tucker was idiotic to say uh, that people were dying after the COVID vaccine, uh, 30, 30 deaths a day after COVID uh, vaccination. And guess what? We expected 75 deaths just on natural causes and percentage of people. Three million people getting vaccinated. Out of them, by statistics, 75 should have died the next day of natural causes. So I've criticized Tucker, who's one of the biggest conservatives there is. But the other thing is, you go back to January and February, I mean, I was completely wrong about how this was going to affect the country. So if you, if you want to believe somebody, they should say when they were wrong. Because then, you know, they're not biased about themselves. Coming up, Rose
1: Hoban from North Carolina Health News on this radio show. Thank you, Bill, from Raleigh.
2: Hey,
0: Bill. This Thank
1: you. is Heart Health Radio.
0: Welcome to Hard Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefald. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. All
1: right, here's the plan for the radio show. What we're going to do is we're going to stop doing the show, and we're just going to read NorthCarolinaHealthNews.org. What do you, you say? You
2: could, you could have a radio show. Just based on their articles, I'm serious. I, uh, I could sit there and just read them. They're so good.
1: And you, you are all too kind, too kind. And and actually, well, in just a couple of minutes, we'll talk about Rose invading sort of our spoken word oh. uh, section here. But Rose, there's an article about rural North Carolina and COVID vaccine acceptance. What's going on?
5: Well, I mean, if you look at the 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 statistics right um uh, on the state's covid dashboard you can actually look and see what counties have more vaccinations you know what uh, percentages are vaccinated and um and most of the places that are highly vaccinated percentage-wise are urban counties right and most of the places that are not so highly vaccinated are rural counties. Like, yeah, you know, I'm looking here, Gates County, 32% fully vaccinated. Right. Um, Bladen County, 36% back fully vaccinated. And now, if you kind of cross that over with the counties that are seeing the largest number of cases, right? we're starting to see those low-vaccinated counties have these high rates of cases. Like, wow, in the sandhills and in the foothills of the... Blue Ridge Mountains, like cases are really going up. So, you know, it's been um, there's folks who are who are uh, hesitant. They, you know, like uh, some of the counties, those rural counties, because people are spread out. They weren't as hard hit with covid before. Right. And so people are like, well, what do I need to get the vaccine for? Or, you know, the article talks about how there is African-Americans who you know, they go back and they look at things like the Tuskegee experiment and other, um, the Henrietta Lacks, um, you know, how her cells were used um, by researchers without permission from her family. So right. they're, they're skeptical. Um, and then, as I pointed out, um, actually a friend of mine pointed out to me, he works with farmers across the state. And he said, you know, a lot of these farmers, you know, they've been told by drug and pharmaceutical companies all these years, you know, because there's a lot of overlap, like, hey, this pesticide's going to be fine, and then 20 years later, whoops, hey, it increases your risk for cancer, and now we're asking those same people to trust drug companies? Yep. So there's a lot of skepticism.
1: Very good connection. Well,
2: and, and, you know, I think that um, can't we find uh, influencers among the rural people And get them to start telling people or or reassuring people that the vaccine's safe. I mean, why don't we find out who they are?
6: Mm -hmm.
5: No, I think that's now the goal. I think that's it's. I know that they're really trying to get ministers and local politicians to you know go out and you know have their photographs taken while they're um, uh, you know while they're getting their vaccine. Um, we, it, this photo, the photo, the, the, article has a picture of a, a barber from Robinson County, which has a very low vaccination rate, uh, Stony Stone. And he's, he's looking pretty skeptical when he looks, looking at the camera, but <laughs> he's saying, you know, I'm going to get the vaccine. So then, you know, guys will come in, they'll get their hair cut. And then, you know, Mr. Stone will say, well, you know, I got the vaccine, you know, it didn't kill me. I haven't like turned into a chimpanzee. Um, You know, my sperm seemed to be fine.
3: Right, right. (laughs)
5: Um, You know, so there's that kind of stuff. So I I, I think that there's that's starting to happen. Um, And as people are, you know, it's funny. uh, Oh, I mean, not funny, but I I, uh, someone noted something to me and I and I got looking on YouTube all over the country, all over the country. TV stations are doing. Pieces, stories about people who are in the hospital who hesitated to get the vaccine they just spent two weeks on a ventilator or they've been in the hospital on 12 liters of uh oxygen and they're saying oh you know i didn't get it it was really dumb go out and get it those 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 personal attestations too i think you know maybe that maybe sort of you know, it's that that one brick, you know, that next brick, you get the brick, you take enough bricks out of the wall, and the wall begins
1: to crumble, right? right? Rose, I've got a question about, because you've done this before, you've called around to ERs or to ICU uh, units and hospitals and found out how things are going. Right now, we've got, according to DHHS, 2,400, almost 2,500 people hospitalized Mm-hmm. in the state with covid this is a large number a very large number and seven eleven, july 11th we only had we had under 500 so now we're. oh my to-
7: gosh
5: on june 30th fellas we had 89 89,
3: 89. all
1: right hey so, rose do so, i
2: got a second yeah, yeah. rose I, I saw an article that I, I was really apropos for me i have lost my vaccination card how do I get it? How do I find another one? I got to have this in case, you know, we get vaccine mandates. So do you know uh, the article? I just saw the headline. What do we do?
5: Well, there's a couple things. Um things. Well, it turns out you need to read the article. So the state has a database of their vaccination of folks who were vaccinated through state programs. Right. Um, so you can look on there. We've got instructions on how to do that. But I, I went and got my vaccination at Walgreens. So
2: they've got a card
5: on the, uh, And so they, they gave me a little card. But um, I went on the Walgreens website. I couldn't find it. So I was like, oh, I'm glad I've got my vaccination card like stuck on the refrigerator. Um, other places, my husband got one from a community health center and he called them because we were as I was as we we're doing the story, it was like, let's test things out. He called the community health center like, "Hey, how do I get my vaccine?" And they were like, "Oh, you know, we were short of staff that weekend. Oh my so we gosh. didn't enter your email address into the state database, but if you send us an email, we'll send you a copy of of our vaccination record yeah. for you." Well, so, d- it It might take a little bit of doing.
2: Do you think they'll accept a photo on your iPhone? So, for example, I just took a photo of it, and then I go somewhere, and they say, where's your vaccine card? If I show them the photo, do you think that that will be an acceptable way of showing you're uh, vaccinated?
5: You know what I've done? Because I I had I took selfies of myself with the needle in my arm because because you know I am who I am. And <laughs> <laughs> she did not.
2: Now come on, that could be faked. I think more right? so than so, a card can be faked.
5: Well, I have I have photo of my first shot, photo of the card after my first shot, photo of the second shot, photo of the. Uh, card after the second shot and they're all dated. Yeah, but here here's right? how
2: here's how and you could really prove a little it.
5: folder on my phone because so, there's like there's a concert I want to go see and I'm I'm gonna be like here, here are four photos.
3: It's
2: like Did you get a photo of the red arm three days after the second dose? <laughs> and a video of you going, Oh, I'm aching and I've got a fever.
3: All right.
5: ah, no, I had, a, I, had a, I had a fever and chills the night after my second
1: dose. So yeah, so did I. Taking is. a little yeah. video yeah.
5: selfie of like, oh, I feel so awful. All
1: right, Rose, we've got to wrap it up because I've got a couple of people waiting. But thank you, and I want everybody to go to org and read all about it. Thank you, Rose.
5: Thank you, gentlemen. Have a great week. All God right, bless.
1: Bye-bye. You know, n- neither one of you. Are having the same conversation you're not having the conversation i'm having with myself is everybody comfortable with having to prove that you've been vaccinated
2: i'm not sure yet
1: okay your papers please sir
2: yeah i'm not sure yet um because public health issues are different from say, political issues. Yeah. Are you a Democrat? Are you a Republican? Um, I need to see your papers, please. Everybody's seen those World <laughs> War II movies. I think it's a little different. Um, yeah. I can understand how someone would object because it seems like Big Brother is after us. Yeah, But, you know, I keep going back to Typhoid Mary, okay? Yeah. yeah Typhoid yeah, yeah. Mary had Real story. Rights, um, but one of your rights is not. To make somebody else sick, so I'm on the fence here. I understand both sides.
1: All right, Al in Raleigh, welcome to Heart Health Radio. How are you?
6: Fine. How are you? Good. What can we do for you? Well, I'd like to speak to Doctor Weefold about a problem I've been having. Sure. On yes, August uh, of 2020, I had a sudden problem walking. My legs seemed really rubbery, and I I couldn't support myself, so I went down. Uh, I did go to the emergency room thinking it was a heart attack, Mm. but they could not determine the cause. They said it rarely can do that after you get in there. But anyway, on September uh, of 2020, a cardiologist diagnosed me with PVCs, and the rate was 33%.
2: Mm. That's a lot.
6: Yeah, and since then I've been on uh, amiodarone. Lisinopril, metaprolol, and rosuvastatin, and the rate is now down to 0.2%, okay. which is fantastic. However, I had several incidents of this weakness, like rubbery legs, after standing in one place like 15 or 20 minutes since then. And uh, all I can say is on, on June 15th, I had an ABI-PVR-CARD lower extremity test which did not indicate any problems. Sure. We thought it was flow uh, to my legs. And I've had multiple EKGs with no problems. Sure. So, so I was wondering what you may have to say about it.
2: Okay. Let me ask you a question. When you wore the monitor to diagnose your premature contractions, those are like, like muscle spasms of the bottom part of the heart, and so they're called premature because the heart's not supposed to contract. Until it gets the signal. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like that person in there in the crowd of students who raises their hand before they're supposed to right. and Did they correlate your symptoms? With the PVC's that's what I want to know in other words Did they prove that you got weak legs when you had the PVC's? No, yeah now the second thing Did they measure your blood pressure when you stood up and stood there for a while? Uh, in other words, if they, in the office, say, okay, dude, I got your blood pressure sitting. Now stand up. What is your blood pressure standing up? And then How walk up and down had? the hallway. What's your blood pressure then? So so what I'm trying to say is there are many, many more things that could be causing your problems than these PVCs. Another question for you. Are you having back pain? No. Okay. So they don't think you're having Pinch nerves that are making your legs weak. Now, let me tell you what I recommend you do. I'm not diagnosing you, but what I'm recommending that you do is get a second opinion about whether your sudden leg weakness is really due to those premature contractions, and also something that I'm seeing a lot of, and that's something we call orthostatic hypotension. Now, what does that mean? It means that certain people, when they stand up, after a while or immediately, the blood pressure drops. And that is a problem between the communication of the heart and the brain. And I can't tell you the number of patients now that I see, both young women and older men. Now, do you have diabetes? No, I don't. So no other health problems?
6: Uh, no, No, not really.
2: Great. So, that's what I recommend. It, it seems to me that they haven't made a diagnosis yet of what you really are suffering from. And so, for example, if it is the premature contractions, you should have a monitor that says, I had these PVCs at the exact time my legs got weak. And so, it's the correlation. And um, I think they you need to find out more information.
6: Okay. Yeah, I, I do agree. I, uh, when they did that test at lower extremity, I was laying down a, on a exam yeah, table. Yeah. And then just late, I realized, well, why don't they do that with me standing
2: up? So or, or was- which is what I do, is walking. So, for example, you got a blockage in your heart artery, right? Mm-hmm. You're sitting around. Mm-hmm. You don't need a, a lot of blood, and you don't have symptoms. Right. So then okay. you walk on a treadmill. And what happens? You need more blood. And you have symptoms. So one of the things that I do when I think somebody might have blockages in the arteries of their legs that is that is causing them to have leg weakness is you measure those the blood flow when they're sitting, and then you get up and have them walk on a treadmill, get their symptom complex, and check yeah. the blood flow after they walk.
6: Yeah. Al, good luck to yeah. you. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I like that opinion. I'm going to do it quick, too.
2: All right, buddy. All right. Thank you very much.
6: You thank you. Care. I'll stay
1: in touch. Gwen in Chapel Hill, thank you very much for calling and waiting. Hi, Gwen. Hi. Thank you so much for taking my call. Of
3: course. What's I up? I
1: appreciate
8: the program uh, every Saturday, gentlemen. Thank you so much. You have lots of interesting information. Dr. Weefald, I have... I don't know. I, I think we're all between a rock and a hard place. <laughs> um, I read an article by um, Dr. Byram Bridle, a viral immunologist and associate professor at the University of Guelph, G-U-E-L-P-H, in Ontario. Yeah. Okay. And if you don't mind, I'll, I'll read just a little sure, bit of it. Sure, please. And it has me really concerned. It begins with, we made a big mistake. We didn't realize it until now, said Byram. We thought that the spike protein was a great target antigen. We never knew the spike protein itself was a toxin and was a pathogenic protein. So by vaccine people, we are inadvertently inoculating them with a toxin. Uh, then he goes on to say it, what has been discovered by the scientific community is the spike protein on its own is almost entirely responsible for the damage to the cardiovascular system if it gets into the circulation. I understand that this spike protein is, was supposed to remain in the muscle, in the arm where you had the injection, but it goes through the, some, somehow, is my understanding. Can you bring some light to this subject?
2: Sure, I can. All right. So what is the spike protein for people who aren't cognizant? The, the coronavirus is called coronavirus because those little spikes stick out from it. And it looks like a crown. Okay. Yeah. Corona is the crown. Um, the spike protein latches on to a protein in your um, uh, cells called angiotensin converting enzyme. And uh-huh. so it's, ma- it's like a lock and a key. So the angiotensin converting enzyme on your cells is the lock. And then the key fits in there and that's the spike protein. Now, what do we know about the toxicity of the spike protein itself? Mm. It's not been shown to be a toxin. Now, the way that the vaccine works is that messenger RNA, that is the genetic blueprint that the virus uses to make its spike protein, is in a little Uh tiny, in the vaccine, it's a little tiny droplet of fat that's got the mRNA that they have synthesized in the lab in it. And then it, that fat is absorbed in your, bloodstream, in your bloodstream and then absorbed in your cells. And the mRNA uses, the virus mRNA uses your own contraptions to make the spike protein. The spike protein gets in your system and you recognize it as a foreign invader. Mm-hmm, and what do you yeah. do to it? You kill it. And as your immune system kills it, it degrades it. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the presence of spike protein in your blood after a vaccine, it's zero, just about zero. Now, they've done these studies in vitro. What does that mean? That means in the lab, in a Mm -hmm. Petri dish. And the spike protein in and of itself does not kill human cells. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't know where this guy is coming from, but I will tell you this. um, When the coronavirus gets in your system, there are billions and billions of spike Uh proteins. The spike protein is not what's killing people from COVID. It's your own body causing rampant inflammation way beyond the way it's supposed to be. And that inflammation destroys your own tissue. The reason why so many people are asymptomatic from the coronavirus or only have mild symptoms is because their genetics that define their immunity are such that they don't have this hyperactive immune response. So I can tell you this right now, 300 million doses more in the United States of America of the mRNA vaccine, Mm -hmm. the Pfizer and the Moderna. The risk of a bad outcome is 0.0005%. So what does that tell you? It tells you that making the spike protein from the vaccines is safe and is not causing um, problems in people. So what we got to do is fight back when people say this stuff. um, We got to fight back and tell the truth that the spike protein is not a toxin.
1: All right. Gwen, thank you very much. Coming up on this program, we've got Clay and Phil. We're going to try to get you on in the next couple of minutes. And where did they find this ladybug? Inside this guy. Coming up next, Heart Health Radio.
0: Now back to Heart Health. Have a question for Dr. Weefald? Call 919- 860-9783.
1: Dr. Weefald is going to what did you find?
2: Well, you were talking about this ladybug. Yeah. And I figured there had to be a song. So we don't have it ready, but if you want to... Here it is. It. It's the miraculous ladybug song. Anyway, I, I'm being silly. <laughs> there, there are things that are beyond belief sometimes.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: So I always make a joke. You know, a friend of mine goes to get a call and me, they said, oh, they finally found your car keys. You know, but there's a guy, 59 year old guy who was getting a colonoscopy mm-hmm. and they, you know, when you get, have you ever had one? No, no, no. You need one. I, I know. I, I, I All yeah. right, so they, they have to clean you out. Yes, they do. And they give you this stuff. Sometimes it tastes like salt water because see it's because they've got to just blast you out and clean you out. So They did this, this guy and they put in the colonoscope while he's asleep. Yeah. And there's this little thing crawling around in his colon, crawling.
1: <laughs> from the from the standpoint of the doctor, that must have been the highlight of the day. Oh yeah,
2: and so they took it out, and it was a live ladybug.
1: Yes. And when the yes. guy woke
2: up, yes, he said, "Yeah, you know, I was in my garden the other day, and something flew into my mouth, and I I swallowed it." And now, how does a ladybug survive that? 28 foot journey through this guy's system i don't know well he did the miraculous ladybug so get on youtube and google (laughs) i mean, youtube or whatever search for the miraculous ladybug song because it's true all
1: right very good phil and raleigh thank you for holding how you doing i'm doing great uh thank you for the (coughs) excuse me
9: for the show that's That's okay Um, what's up a question about the shingles virus the, yeah i think it's so sure. um i guess my question is why why did they get it wrong to start with my, my wife and i both had the the, the previous one and now right. say we need a new
3: mm-hmm. one an mm-hmm.
9: update what well how did they get it wrong and she claims to, and she's not a, a complainer, yeah. but she says she got permanent muscle damage from that first one. That the, the first side one, effect. yeah. She had, uh, you know, so what what's so great about the new one, My our, our general practitioner who who we share is, uh, is uh, in strongly encouraging us to get this. Uh, he says you do not want shingles. You, yeah. you need to
3: get it.
2: Yeah. All right, so uh, shingles, for everybody who is out there wondering, if you get the chicken pox right. when you're a kid, the virus never goes away, and it lives in the nerve endings near your spine, so all over the spine, and and when you're stressed or when your immune system gets a hiccup, it can travel down the nerves and erupt, and you get those eruptions, The Shingrix vaccine, the first one that came out, was only about 60 to 65% effective. The new one is called Shingrix. It's a double vaccine. You get it once, you get it a second time. Uh, I can't remember, a while later. It's 97% effective. Now, there are side effects to anything you get, including the vaccines you get. Um, I believe you, I'm not aware, or I wasn't aware, that permanent muscle damage can occur with the shingles vaccine. I'll have to look that up. I'm not sure that you can say they got it wrong. Um, They found a better one. Um, One company had one, and the other company developed a better one. So I'm going to look and see the incidence of muscle damage from the shingles vaccines.
1: All right. Another hour coming up of Heart Health Radio.
0: Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio. Oh, oh, oh. HeartHealthRadio.com. Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. And this is Heart Health Radio with Dr. Franklin Weefall
1: excellent show first hour was i just
2: well and the reason yeah callers, the callers. yeah I, yep. I i learned so much from the callers that because it, it makes me think and look up things so for example <clears throat> we have time the uh, last yeah. caller from the previous hour talked about the complications of the shingles vaccine right and permanent muscle damage i did find <clears throat> that it it's got a warning now about something called Guillain-Barre syndrome, and yeah. that's when you have an autoimmune, your body reacts to the vaccine and, and causes damage to the nerves. However, there, and there is a warning now from the FDA that you can get Guillain-Barre, out of a million doses given to people, there are three extra cases of Guillain-Barre than expected. So that's it's a not, pretty low risk, right. but- the answer is yes. There can be musculo-neuromuscular damage from the Shingrix vaccine, but it is three extra cases out of a million doses, so it's extremely rare. Right. And just so you know, I learned
1: very uh, good. Yeah, we are going to talk about life expectancy in the U.S. Statistically speaking, it would be—I don't know—you would have to say it, it reflects poorly on the U.S. health system. However, uh, you know, they say this, the devil's in the details, and we've got the details coming up. Also, can you lower your cholesterol without cholesterol medicine? I, I don't know. Somebody did. Telephone number here is 919-860-9783. Clay, how are you?
10: Fine. Saturday after lunchtime hour to you, gentlemen. Yay. Uh, it's how nice are you? nice to be able to talk to you again. Um you know, I tell you, it's interesting that the the topic COVID nineteen and right. its I guess cousins or nephews or however you care to define it that's uh, coming behind it. Yeah, um, I, I, I found it interesting. I shared, you know, the you know several months ago, I was on TV on a Thursday night watching some programs and watched the news, and then of course. They flashed a screen up on the on the thing saying the uh, Durham VA had available COVID nineteen um, things. So you know, I I talked to a lady. Um, you know, there were a couple of glitches in her having the computer, but it took fourteen minutes. Make a long story short, you know, I got both of them, and what I what was shared with me was, was most important. And you know, last Saturday when I was sharing with you guys what I. What I am very thankful for what y'all do because you know I'm hearing y'all say you know it's for the people that call in and and I'm, I truly believe in my heart when you can get somebody like yourself, Doctor Weefall, and other people that have the knowledge that, and the insight to bring forth to bring that comfort because that's what is talked about in the Bible that you know we're that God the Father pro- provides comfort for us but people would like to hear you know, be able to have digestively positive insight on certain things. And to me, it's always about hearing certain things. So when I heard this person at at the VA VA, when I got my second one said, in two to three weeks, you should be able to, you know, not wear your mask that much um, because what's going to happen, you know, it's just just like you shared, there's all these – uh, there's a thing about proteins. Proteins are good for you, but some of them are not. Um, so I'm very thankful, um, you know, for what y'all were doing uh, and all the stuff that you're talking about. Now, I almost yeah. called back last Saturday because y'all were talking about, you know, you got this song that plays that introduces, you know, both of y'all, especially Dr. Weefall. Yeah. And y'all talked about the this musical group, the Thompson Twins.
3: Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes.
10: So here's the thing about that. I went to see them in concert. I don't know if y'all know this, <laughs> but and then you also brought up the Flock of Seagulls. Both of those musical groups are from the UK, especially two different areas of England. Yes, sir. I don't know if y'all were aware that back in the late '70s and early '80s, there was this rush of, you know, groups, musical groups that were from England, and they were more. Um, you know, introduced to certain things than the U.S. Well, the Thompson twins, there was no identical twin. It was um, a group of people, um, which later on, I think it was two years later, that was introduced, a woman was introduced to the group. That's why you have a light-skinned black guy, a regular guy, and then uh, the girl who has red-colored hair or or orangish.
1: Clay, i got to do this so carefully. Huh? Clay, I gotta, I gotta be very careful. I got three other people waiting. Okay. Do you have a medical medical question? Well, I just want you know
10: just just to, just to share. Yes. To, to everybody, please just don't listen to the deception and be misled about all the stuff that's going on because there's so right. much of that circulating out there. Right. And just listen to what your heart says. Trust in the people that you know. Take the time to think about it and pray about it. That's what's so important because when you have the misguidance, yes. that's when other things come into play. And, you know, it's so sad to me because so many
1: people who are not vaccinated are dying.
2: Right. Yep. Well, listen, Clay, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that.
1: I appreciate it. William in Raleigh, you are on Heart Health Radio. Hi. Hello, William.
2: Was that Dr. Fauci responding, or was that William?
1: No, William, you know, often enough, uh, during the first hour, people will fall asleep. Hi, William, how you doing? Nope, all right, I'm going to have to put you on, I'm going to put you on hold, just hoping that, that perhaps you'll come to your senses and to your phone. Marie in Raleigh, hi, how are you?
2: There you are, Marie. Marie, what's
1: going on?
7: Well, one question, Dr. Weepall, before I get into the medicine, Bill, Dr. Weepall, my husband, wants to know if you were driving one of those electric mustangs.
2: How did you know that?
7: <laughs> you have been saying different thing, little things that I've been putting together, and Bill's got a, a uh, car book that he's been looking. and saw the picture of it, and it yeah. is rated the best electric
2: car. And well, he y- really is it red. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you something. I didn't get it because I'm an environmental. You know, uh, oh, i know. Let me. Let, I I I think the environmental thing is not not solved yet. Because yeah. remember. Digging for lithium, which goes in the battery. I mean, those huge steam shovels are spewing out carbon. And they have to make these things out of metal and steel and all that stuff. They think after 50,000 miles of driving it, you improve the environment. But let me tell you why I got it, Marie. Right next to my apartment door is a free electric charging station. So I pull up. And I plug it in at night and I go inside and I come out the next day. It's charged. I've saved in the last four months, $1,300 in gas. I haven't bought gas and all my charging has been free. It doesn't make sense to get one of these cars unless you can overnight charge it. And I get 240 miles on one charge. So I can drive to work three times. So I charge it every fourth night. Sure. And it's, it's, and the thing takes off like a bat out of you-know-what. I yep. can go zero to 60 in five seconds, and that's not what I want to do, but it's amazing. It changed lanes and everything. So, <laughs> it's a wonderful car.
1: Welcome to Car Talk. He missed us
7: stop talking with you about cars so much, Dr. Whitson. Uh,
2: well, how's he doing? How's his health?
7: Um. Well, he's doing uh pretty good. He's just a lot, doing a lot better than me, and I just... I mean, my heart has just really been great ever yes. since I left you, and uh, yeah. well, it was before I left you, because I think I didn't have any blockages for yeah, about the two last years time years, yeah. Before I left you, yeah. and so, and I'm on most of that medication that you gave me. Great, they I,
2: haven't had to change it yet, huh?
7: And I'm uh, doing really uh, great. Good, uh, <clears throat> but anyway. Uh, I heard on the news, uh, WRAL, that if you lose your card, call where you got your vaccine. Mm-hmm. And I've lost mine
1: also. And
2: yeah, I cops, we're so. we're kind of alike in that way. I put it down somewhere, and I think it just disappeared.
1: Marie, thank you very much. She's she's just telling us go back to where you went. Yeah. All right, Bob and Raleigh, welcome to Heart Health Radio. How you doing? Doing great. Good. What's up? Well, I just want to let you know that I have not lost my vaccine card. Good for you.
4: <clears throat> because my wife keeps it in a safe somewhere. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Did you get Moderna or Pfizer?
4: We got Pfizer.
2: Yeah, let me tell you the difference. Pfizer may be a little less effective than Moderna, but you may read that maybe if you've gotten the Pfizer, don't worry because that's a big maybe. And, and you yeah. know, New York. Pfizer yeah. has become a status symbol. I, the people <laughs> think in New York City that Pfizer is the status symbol. I tell you right now, if you've gotten either one, and even if you got the J and J, feel good about it.
3: Yeah.
4: Well, oh. I'm not in the worry about it. My wife's the one I think this morning, as a matter of fact, she mentioned that that good.
1: the maternal
4: was more effective. But I said, best, let's worry about other things. We've got a million other things to worry about.
1: Amen. <clears throat> you got something else for us today, Bob?
4: Yes, sir. Back to single shot. Um, I got single shot back in February of 2020. Okay. And then, uh, of course, COVID hit in March or February, late February. So uh, I was supposed to get the follow up within, what, three months or four months, or mm-hmm. months? I never did because of COVID. Now uh, I need to, I called them and said, can I come in and get the second, this at Walgreens, can I come in and get my second shot? And they kind of laughed and said, no, it's been too long. You have to get the first shot again. And my question is, is there's no danger getting that
1: first
2: shot twice is there is um, there a
1: danger getting the it is first it shot is twice?
2: not um you can get it if you've been six months out um however a lot of the, the um pharmacies mm-hmm. don't want to do it and i think it's it has to do with a study that showed there might be greater risks of side effects um so i you know Basically, you're going to have to find a pharmacy that's willing to do it.
4: Walgreens says he would do it.
2: Maybe Great. Then Walgreens is the place to go. But he said he would do it, but I just, as a pharmacist, I want to make sure, I'd rather
4: ask a doctor rather than a pharmacist whether it's going to be any repercussions from having that, that shot a second time. It's okay. You think it'll be all right? Yes. I generally do not have many reactions
2: to Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, like I said, um, you've never had shingles, have you? No. Shingles is, a lot of people think, ah, you know, it's just, you know, chicken pox in a line. Mm -hmm. The worst thing is that it can, you know, your face has nerves that come out of your spine, too. And your eye does, too. The worst shingles I've seen is in the eye. So there's a track right along the side of the face, right into this person's eyeball. They went blind. Oh, my gosh. Now, does that happen very much? No, it's extremely rare. But I tell you, when you get the shingles, you can have what's called post-herpetic neuralgia. And what does that mean? It means the nerves damage Mm -hmm. where the the herpes virus came through. Now, herpes, don't worry. (laughs) It's not the herpes where the sun don't shine. It is a herpes-type virus, okay? It can damage the nerve. You can have constant pain. I mean, it can last for months. And it is terrible. Right. So get your shingles vaccine. Brother, it's brother. above the age of fifty now that they will pay. That's I don't know why. Okay, but it's above the age of fifty. It's this two-shot variety. Now you don't have to convince me. <clears throat> What's interesting is my wife,
4: who was racing to get the, the COVID shot, uh, refuses to get the shingle
2: shot. Wow. I don't know. You know, it's interesting from a cardiologist's point of view. What's that? I have seen several patients, maybe more than several, who come to me for chest pain. And they think they're having heart problems and they get shingles. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You know, and a a lot of doctors don't look under the 90s anymore. They don't. They don't take your clothes off. And as soon as I got a description of her pain, I had her get into a gown. And there was that red line. Right across under the breast, and the pain was in the chest, in the front of the chest. Sure. Mm-hmm.
4: Well, I'll yeah. make a beeline over to Walgreens this weekend or first of the week and get that get going again. I,
2: I wish I could have gotten it last year, but I just with the COVID hit, and I just decided yep. not to. Good idea. Thank I'm... you, Bob.
1: Thank you. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Telephone number here is nine one nine eight six zero nine seven eight three on FM ninety eight five AM six eighty. WPTF taking phone calls till uh, two o'clock. Um, there is a story that I'm I've been waiting for. Uh oh. You know the thing when about when Dave
2: waits for a story, you know that it's exciting. <laughs>
1: well, the, I have a visual imagination. Okay, I have. A, when you describe something, I try to visualize what's going on. Yeah. Scientists have reversed the aging process in mouse's brains. In mice brains,
2: mouses or mice? Mice, mice, mice.
1: I don't know. I forgot. Are they blind? Are there the three thing. of them? <laughs> we lose far too many mice. Yeah. Because of brain problems. Yeah. We just we just do, and you will not believe how they're doing this. And I'm visualizing, and I'm saying, no, I don't want to participate. I don't want to see that study being done. Anyway, that, that's coming up on heart health. Also, William and Raleigh. Uh, this is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network.
0: Welcome to Heart Health with board certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Call us with your health questions at 919 860 9783. Get better, stay healthy, and spot
1: medical misinformation just by listening to Heart Health Radio. Every Saturday from noon until 2. William and Raleigh, thank you for waiting. How you doing, bud? I'm good. Thank you. What's up?
9: Um, Well, I turned 80 this year, so I'm starting my ninth decade. Yeah. And it's time for things.
2: You sound great.
9: uh, (laughs) It's time for things to start deteriorating. Um, For years, I've had this issue with um, varicose veins and the accompanying swelling in the lower legs. Primarily, the left It's very one-sided. Numbness in the foot and I'm getting that what I call plasma pigmentation discoloration yeah. Yeah. that darkens the skin. And just yesterday for the first time this um, little small uh, crater-shaped sore painful ulcer. Yeah. And uh, I understand that um, it's, it could be an adequate uh, yes. arterial blood supply. Yes. I had the uh, Doppler several years ago and everything was
3: fine.
9: mm mm-hmm. uh but This is the first time I've had this experience this
2: before,
9: and I'm wondering what's going on and what I'm able to do to... to,
2: Great, uh, great uh, issue. We've never really touched on venous insufficiency and venous ulcers. It's really really important. Mm -hmm. All right, is your leg swollen? I mean, is it puffier than...
9: Yeah, the left one, it seems to be all the left side. There's a tiny little bit of numbness in the uh, right one, but none of the... uh, effects I'm getting in that left one, sure. there is some swelling, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's uh, noticeably larger.
2: So it sounds like, and again, I can't diagnose over the phone, you have what's called a venous stasis ulcer. Now, what is that? Now, the arteries, they rush blood from your heart down to your leg and feed it with oxygen. And it's, it goes really fast. Uh, and there's only two arteries in the lower leg and they branch off. The veins are a funny thing. You got like seven or eight or nine of them Mm in your leg. Mm -hmm. And the blood flow is kind of slow. I mean, comparatively speaking. And so there's more of them to carry the the flow back. And when you sit there, the the flow is kind of sluggish. There are valves in the veins, so the blood can only flow in one direction. Mm -hmm. As we get older, those valves stretch and they start to stop working. And so if the valves stretch and they let blood flow in two directions, up toward the heart and then a little bit back toward the legs, your whole leg can swell. And then the little veins can start popping out in the skin. And we used to call them ropes, R-O-P-E-S, because they looked like little curly ropes under someone's skin. You know the worst varicose vein story I have real quick? A lady had chickens, and the rooster pecked her Right on the varicose vein and surely bled to death. So, what you need to do is go to a doctor who is a vein specialist because they can probably fix this. Now, if you have what's called the greater saphenous vein that is incompetent, now, you know, I was called incompetent for a long time when I was a resident, but anyway. It means that it's, it's allowing blood to flow backwards. Now, since you have seven, eight, or nine veins, they can actually put a uh, needle in that vein and run a little tube up called a catheter. Now, we used to use lasers to heat up, and then you pull it backwards, and you destroy that vein. Why do you want to do that? Because then the blood flow is taken over by the good veins that have the valves that still work. Then the swelling goes away, and then the ulcer here. So the reason why you have an ulcer is because the veins are so full of pressure and blood that it's stretching the skin. So if you have the ulcer and it's from a vein problem, you need to get that fixed pretty quick. Now, there are some really good vein doctors, um, and I'm not sure if you're allowed to call these people without a referral, but um, Carolina Vascular... Guy named Dr. Lore, we've had him on the show before, and he's done a great job fixing these veins. And you want to know what they use now to close off the bad veins? What superglue. I'm not really? kidding. Really. Yeah. And so, get it checked. Okay. Because if you've developed that situation now, where you really have um, the veins causing an ulcer, you need to get it fixed. Because sometimes, if it's too late, the ulcer doesn't heal for a long time.
9: Right. Now, several years ago, I went to the Rex Vascular Clinic. Okay. uh, At that time, it was just a matter of they diagnosed varicose veins and said to wear the support stockings, and that was pretty much it. Yeah. And we we didn't do a venogram. He told me that um, that's not for uh, varicose veins. That's where you put the dye in the vein. You don't check Right. You don't okay. Use dual venogram with varicose veins. He just simply said, "Where are those stockings?" And uh, that was pretty much it at the time. And uh, so I have not been back since. But I have had the arterial Doppler and, and the by my primary care physician. And uh, that blood flow was good at the time. That was about four or five years ago.
2: Yeah, hey, things can change, but I think that um, varicose veins are one sign that the inner vein. Uh, the greater saphenous vein that runs in the middle of your leg can be leaking because then that pressure is transferred to the veins under the skin and they stretch out and grow. So a vein specialist, a vascular specialist, there's something called a venous doppler and reflux study. Right. And that could be very valuable to you. All
1: right. Thank you, William. Okay, we've changed our slogan. Instead of get better, stay healthy, et cetera, et cetera we are now number one in medical knowledge and incompetence. Yeah, incompetence. And incompetence, yeah. right here on the radio show. Yeah. This is Heart Health Radio, another half hour coming up.
0: Now back to heart health. Have a question for Dr. Weefald? Call 919-860-9783.
1: FM 98.5, AM 680, this is WPTF. Hot day. We are at 110 on the real feel, and it's 95 on the real thermometer. You, just, yeah. Everybody take care of themselves. It's bad. Just do not do the thing that you're going to do outside. Wait until the sun goes down. Yeah,
2: and and <coughs> it's the uh, Wifi patented system. Yes. White hat the white hats really are better. Uh-huh. They and floppy they reflect the, the sunlight. <laughs> that floppy matters? white hat, and then don't and a white loose fitting shirt, uh-huh. and yeah. let it go down on your arms. That's sort of counterintuitive. You, you want to just be bare naked, but no. The reason is it also reflects the light off of you. Yeah. And why do you think people in the Middle East wear the white? You know, flowing robes because it's 110 degrees in the shade. It's how you stay cool. Okay. And I've said this before. Take an ice cold can, put it on your neck, yep. refrigerate your blood, alternate, and you will not get hot. You will stay cool and do it before you get hot. And drink plenty of fluid.
1: Joe in Raleigh. Welcome to the program. How are you?
7: Fine, thanks. I have a question about the shingle sex thing you were just talking about. Sure. Um... I had shingles a few years ago, and it didn't get—it took about three doctors to get it diagnosed correctly. Oh, it
2: can happen.
7: It didn't—I didn't have spots or rash or anywhere except on the bottoms of my feet. And I went to a podiatrist, and he said, no, you can't have shingles on your feet.
2: You sure can.
7: Yeah, eventually a dermatologist diagnosed it as shingles, but I think by the time I got on the medicine— I had nerve damage. Yeah. But I have a question about how do I know if it's shingles nerve damage or is it neuropathy and are they treated this? What do you do for the pain that you yeah. have and the tingling and all
2: that? That's a difficult thing. Um, let me ask you, you, have any other conditions? Do you have spine problems? Have you had spine any nerve problems? Yeah, it's, like lower lower back, disc bulging and stuff like that? No. And how about diabetes?
7: I, I am diabetic.
2: Yes. Okay, so the biggest thing is going to be whether you have a neuropathy from your diabetes or you have a persistent neuropathy from the shingles that was on your that were on your feet. Um, you know, it, it's very difficult to know which one it is, um, but the treatment is almost the same. Um, there's a medicine called gabapentin, mm-hmm. which yeah, uh, I, is I, a... I do take
7: gabapentin.
2: Okay, has it helped you? Has it has it helped?
7: Um, yeah, it does. Okay. I kind of hesitate to take it. I mean, yeah, well, yeah. One the side effects long term. I yeah, it
2: can make people dizzy. It can make, you know, your blood pressure sometimes uh, not so great. Um, low, that is to say. There's something called Lyrica or um, pregabalin that a lot of people take for neuropathy. It's sort of the next step, and it can have some is, side is effects. Is that a to, oral
7: medication?
2: I'm sorry? Is it it's a pill? Yeah, uh-huh. It is, and then some people um, use topical uh, creams um, to yeah, sort of I deaden the nerve. Which medicine. do you use? Some?
7: Yeah, I do. It's a compounded cream that um, um, it has lidocaine. Yeah,
2: uh-huh. And, or
7: something. Yeah. Or whatever, I forget what, what all in it. Yeah, and, and sometimes that yeah, works pretty good.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very hard to treat neuropathy. Um, some of the earlier medications that were used is amitriptyline, and that is a um, antidepressant, and it seems also to help some people with neuropathy. And the problem is, you never can tell in one individual uh, versus another, uh, which one's going to work well. Some of the anti-seizure medications um, work well. In fact, gabapentin is an anti-seizure medication um, that's repurposed. We talked about repurposed medications before. The key thing is going to be recognizing how difficult this is to treat for you. And, And, you know, going to a neurologist and trying different um, techniques, different medications, different um, topical things, until you find one that really helps. But it's a terrible, terrible problem. Uh, so you would say see a neurologist
7: then?
2: Uh, you, you might want to. Check with your family doctor or your primary care physician first. But there are certain neurologists who are really good at... at Going to the ninth inning and, and hitting a home run and getting uh, neuropathies under control. And there are new, t- new techniques, too, that, that our neurologists might really help you with. Um, what was that first
7: oral medication you,
2: you said? Okay, there's Lyrica, there's Gabapentin, and then there is uh, Amitriptyline, and then some of the other seizure medications. Some people even use Dilantin. Um, which has helped for neuropathies. But again, all of these medications have uh, potential significant side effects. And so I have would... Have you
7: heard of... I'm sorry.
2: I no, you go ahead.
7: Using
2: laser with it? Laser. I, mm-hmm. I think there are some people who use laser treatments. Um, and that's why I would definitely check with a neurologist who's just, you know really good with neuropathies to know okay. uh, when to go to those next steps.
1: Thank you, Joe. Appreciate it. This is Heart Health Radio. We follow you up on things it? that are that are going on in the medical world. Sometimes too closely. There's a story here: scientists reversed aging in mouse brains with poo transplants.
2: Poo transplants
1: from young mice. I, people, okay.
2: Okay. I, I tell you. Okay. Just like. Uh, there are things that people don't want to talk about bodily functions. Yes. Um, feces and poo, or whatever yeah. you want to call it. Sure. I mean, one of the most important things is to have healthy poop. Now, that sounds crazy because you're eliminating this, there's poisons in there. Right. But what we know now is that there are more bacteria in your gut than you have human cells and the bacteria in your gut is what helps you stay alive. Right. And we think now that gut health, bacterial composition may be related to Alzheimer's, to heart disease, to diabetes, everything. Yeah. So if you have a genetic predisposition to have unhealthy bacteria in your gut, then the question becomes can we transplant that gut bacteria from a good person or a good set of uh, gut bacteria and and help your, heart, your uh, health problems. Now, inflammation is one of the key things. And so if you're one of those people whose gut bacteria takes flour, for example, which are just chains of sugar, mm-hmm. and then digests it into a simple sugar molecule, that will build up fat because that's what fat is. Fat is storage of energy, and it's made not from fat – that you eat, but from the sugar you eat. When you have too much sugar, what happens to your body? You get inflammation. And so they think now that one of the big factors in Alzheimer's and dementia is too much inflammation over the years. So what they did in mice, and of course we use mice to model the human uh, condition. Mm -hmm. And these mice, they have a mouse model for Alzheimer's. And the way you can tell it's working is they they forget that they're mice. Okay. And they think they're human. But anyway, so they <laughs> have these these tests for whether they're demented or not. And they there's, have to follow there's... food and, and, and in a maze and stuff yeah. like that. Oh yeah. So they of course they took young healthy mice poop and they fed it through capsules and stuff like that to older mice that were demented. And they got better. Okay? Yes. So what that means for us is that there are healthy bacteria in the gut and there are unhealthy bacteria in the gut. And now the studies are being done. Can we alter and get rid of the bad bacteria yeah. and give people good bacteria? And I think it's coming. Um, prebiotics, um, uh, different things like that. Right. Probiotics, prebiotics, who knows. But you know the big thing now that they're thinking about? What's that? Fermented foods it used to be thought that the mediterranean diet was you know uh low fat um it's really now the thinking is maybe they eat more fermented foods so sauerkraut you like sauerkraut i love sauerkraut i do
1: yeah on a hot dog yeah
2: kimchi and and key what is that kefir i can't remember it's this it's this yogurt milk type stuff that's fermented So uh, wine, terrible. you know, I talk about red wine being good for you. Yeah. And so what is fermented? It's bacteria that take the sugars in the food and turn it into a healthy compound. So I don't know. But the fermentation seems to change our gut bacteria and give us better gut bacteria. Okay. You know, you know, there is a, a treatment for a really bad diarrhea thing. Have you ever heard of Clostridium difficile? You take certain. I was just reading a clinical yeah. study from Yale. But listen, it's very, very that. common. Yes. it's a bacteria called Clostridium difficile. It produces a toxin that just lets your colon rip out the the poop, and you just have the worst kind of diarrhea. Yeah. And so we used to give it. Well, we still do give a certain type of antibiotic to kill the Clostridium that grew out from the previous antibiotic.
3: Right.
2: Well, you know the the initial treatment was fecal enemas that is a where you take feces from a healthy person and you give the bad person an enema that's the first fecal transplant and so now we're getting to the idea if you put good bacteria in somebody's gut you're going to improve their health overall and perhaps cure some diseases see here's the thing when i
1: initially read the headline scientists reverse aging in mouse brains with poo transplants and the article says poo poo okay that's number 1 if you want me to take the story seriously don't call it poo come okay? on
2: now there's so many people who who cringe at the medical terms no. feces yeah. okay okay poo they Poop. and when
1: you said a capsule yeah. that makes it clear that they fed the mice orally yeah the See, I'm imagining something else altogether. Oh. That they took poo from a healthy young mouse, and never mind. Yeah, but uh, I'm better off not finishing. There are that so sentence. many
2: different words for poo: doo doo, poo poo, um, the S word, which we can't say. Yeah, feces is a, a appropriate medical term. But uh, we've,
1: let me let you let, let you know. In when I was growing up, yeah. the Alexander household. Yeah it was called jobby jobby <laughs> no kidding
2: wherever that came no from no kidding but we got to be we got to be more comfortable talking about our bowel health now yeah. it is true a lot of my older men male patients are obsessed with their bowels i used to think that was stupid <laughs> you know come on now but now I realize constipation is not good yeah. because that holds on to those poisons more than they should. Okay. Um, loose bowels is not good either. Um, we want to get healthy bowel health and right. good bowel health. Um, and we just need to keep working on it. But yogurt, fermented, unless you have, um, what's that called? Um,
1: what is it? Lactose
2: intolerance. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So fermented yogurt, sauerkraut, kimchi, those are all good things. I'm and gonna, wine. I'm going to get in, a hot dog in, and some sauerkraut. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Sounds good. All right, this is Heart Health Radio. We have all the lines open. As you can you probably guess if we're talking about poop for as long as yeah. we did, we've got some open lines. 919-860-9783. Something about lowering cholesterol with diet doesn't appeal to me. I'd rather take a pill. What do you think?
2: I would you would, uh, and let me tell you the reason why. Um, yeah, you could lower your cholesterol. Yeah, you can. I mean, you can you can stop eating certain things uh, to lower your cholesterol. I
1: just mentioned a hot dog. Probably that's uh, off my diet. I'm not so sure. Okay,
2: but do you get most of your cholesterol in your bloodstream? And I'm gonna, this is quiz Dave time. Yeah, do you get most of your cholesterol in your bloodstream from what you eat. Or from what your liver makes?
1: I think it's from what my liver makes. That's correct.
2: See, it was obvious that that's what I was looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So there's this story about this guy who had heart disease and his LDL cholesterol was really high, 170s. Mm -hmm. That's about what mine was. And so this guy starved himself and he stopped eating any fat. He stopped eating meat, went on a probiotic type diet, ate, you know, I call it the seaweed diet. So you're eating a lot of of, uh, vegetables and stuff like that. And he lowered his cholesterol. And he got it down to 120. And? Here's the problem. That's not anywhere near where he needs to lower it. Okay. So he walked to the doctor's office. You said I couldn't do it and I did it. So the doctor goes, yeah, you went from 170 to 120. Not good enough. Okay. And let me tell you another reason. Yeah is that statins are incredibly wonderful medications. So there is a, the way a statin works is it inhibits an enzyme in the liver that, pro, that is the key step in producing cholesterol. But it does more than that. When it lowers your cholesterol, it does lower the risk that your body's gonna start uptaking cholesterol from the bloodstream and turning it into cholesterol plaques and globules of, of cholesterol. Sure. It lowers inflammation and we don't know why. But the statins themselves not only lower cholesterol, but they lower the amount of inflammation in your body. So now, guess what we found? Hmm. If you're on a statin and you get COVID, you're much less likely to get in the hospital, in the ICU, and to die. And it's an interesting fact that it lowers inflammation. And that's probably one of the big reasons why statins prevent heart attacks. Not just by lowering cholesterol, but by lowering inflammation. Let me, let me just give you my story. Yeah. So I had this big lump in my arm, and they thought it was cancer. turned out I had broken my hip falling off a horse. And what did I do? Mm. I just grabbed some crutches from the back of my office and started you know, wearing them, that I never got instructed. And so I had the, the crutch part sticking in my arm, <laughs> and I developed a neuroma from the irritation. But they thought it was a cancer. So I got a CT scan. Yeah. You know, advanced body imaging, and I had calcium in my widowmaker, which means that I had a cholesterol buildup. Yeah, I had a stress test. It wasn't a bad cholesterol buildup and restricting flow of blood. My LDL was one seventy-eight. Okay. Was I going to change my diet? No. Nope. Okay. <laughs> Not. I'm we sorry. Fault. No. So I went on Crestor, forty milligrams, got it down a little bit. Went on zedia ten milligrams. Yeah. I got it down to this guy's thing, one twenty.
3: Yeah.
2: No. That's not good enough. So I went on this new medication. It's four years old. It's called Repatha, and it works in a different way. It prevents your LDL receptor from going bad, so it's standing there and recepticating. Is that a word? It Pulling is out the cholesterol from your bloodstream. Yep. Yep. Guess what my LDL is now? It's zero. Eleven. Eleven. That's pretty okay. good. And guess what happened two years after? I went and got another CT scan. And my calcium score, which is a measure of how much cholesterol, went from 320 to 20. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah, and it can reverse. So the bottom line is I am a pro-statin doctor. Right. I am not uh, one of these people who believes that you can treat heart disease simply with diet. I will take one qualification now. What's that? It's called the Dean Ornish diet. Dean Ornish was a doc in California. Mm-hmm. He did one bad thing, really bad thing. What's that? He convinced Steve Jobs to not have surgery for his pancreatic cancer. Oh, wow. And he told him to go on a macrobiotic diet, et cetera, et cetera. Steve Jobs had a type of pancreatic cancer that if he'd had immediate surgery, he'd been cured. Okay? So that's one bad thing Dean Ornish did. But he developed this diet, which is worse than the seaweed diet. I mean, it is a macrobiotic. I mean, not only no meat, but no yeah. common vegetables. You, huh. know? you know what canona is or quinona? Yeah, yeah, quinoa. That, Qu- yeah, whatever. But the interesting thing, yeah. if you can stick to the Dean Ornish diet and not get depressed enough to, you know, to <laughs> hate yourself, it actually cures coronary disease. So yes, diet can help, but you have got to go on, and I challenge my, our listeners to Google the Dean Ornish diet and see if you can possibly stay on it. And nobody really knows why it works, but it lowers cholesterol and it also lowers inflammation, which is why I think that it may work well.
1: Are Cheetos on the diet?
2: Uh, Cheetos are the anti-Dean Ornish diet. So,
1: So Cheetos are not on the diet? No. So the quick answer is no? No. Thank you very much? No. This is Heart Health Radio.
0: Welcome to Heart Health with board certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Call us with your health questions at 919 860 9783. This is Heart Health Radio.
1: Who are we shouting out today?
2: Well, uh, you know, I uh, sometimes have a sad shout out, and oh, no. this is a sad one. Uh, and I'm shouting her out. Because I think she was um, one of the bravest people that I know. Oh, no. So, Tanya Woodell recently um, died. Uh, She had her first heart attack at age 25. And think about that. And this was not an unusual heart attack caused by, say, a torn artery from the inside. This was cholesterol buildup. Yeah. And this was clotting. And this was a family history. Yeah. So she had diabetes, she had high cholesterol. I mean, it was clearly not her fault in the sense that it's nobody's fault that you have heart trouble. Yeah. And she did everything that we asked um, for the most part, but mm-hmm. it's really hard when you've grown up in a certain way of living and and, and eaten certain foods and lived a certain way. And she just kept having heart attack after heart attack. And we had her on her diabetes medications, we had her on cholesterol medications, blood pressure medications, and despite everything that we did, she kept having heart attacks. Now here's the thing that was so difficult for her, is that she was deathly allergic to the IV, I mean the contrast eye that we use to do heart caths, right? Mm. So you can't put a stent in to open up an artery you can't do bypass surgery unless you've made a roadmap of those arteries. First time we did a heart cath, she made it through. She got a bad rash, couldn't breathe. That's called uh, a, a true allergic reaction. Second time, really bad reaction. Had low blood pressure, but you know, got out of it. The third time, we knew she was going to have a reaction. We gave her the steroids for two days. We gave her Benadryl, all the things that we know to prevent an allergic reaction. And right. it, it gets worse. She had anaphylaxis. I mean, she died on the table before we could do anything. No blood pressure, heart stopped. We um, got her back. Right. Three days, she was in the ICU on a ventilator with high dose medications to keep her blood pressure up. So for four years, we couldn't do anything. Right. Um, and I saw her in the office about two weeks ago and I just knew. That she was in real bad shape. Couldn't get a right. blood pressure. Right. Was blue. Sent her to Wake Med, and and Franny Wood, she Dr. Wood, she is wonderful. We we've talked about what she does. She had a choice. You know, you have to try, or right. you have to not try. Right. So we tried, and uh, she didn't make it. Oh my. And a combination of the ninety nine point nine percent, one hundred percent blockage in her widowmaker widower maker, and the deathly allergic reaction to contrast are. So I want to say, you know, Tanya, we miss you. Um, we love you still. Mm-hmm. And I wish that um, you could have made it through this last episode. I wish you never had this combination of things. But it just goes to show that we can't pick our genetic background and our genetic um makeup right but we can do everything we can to try to you know push that back so our our lives are better there was a story
1: about life expectancy in the u.s being so much shorter than so many other countries similar countries yeah
2: and what's, they what's use that it? as a, an example of why we have one of the worst healthcare systems in the world. And do we? No. Um, I think there's, the biggest problem in our health care system is access. Um, for those of us who have insurance, Medicare, or whatever, yeah. it is clearly the greatest health care system in the world. There may be too much medicine, too mm-hmm. many procedures. Mm-hmm. But why do you think people come to this country from other countries to get their healthcare, because it's the best in the world in terms of what we can do surgically, what we can do medically, what we know. But it's access, that's the biggest problem. Now, our life expectancy, is it as great as, say, Sweden? Is it as great as, say, Norway? No, it's not. Because? Because of guns? Okay. Yep. Um, we have a huge number of people who are murdered, especially in our, in our inner cities, right. and drugs. And right now, these are health care crises. And they're political footballs, which they shouldn't be. Yeah. But opiate overdoses, the fentanyl crisis, the drugs coming across the border is a health crisis. And guns in the inner cities. Uh, the murders that are happening are, is, should be considered a health crisis, and we need to tackle those. And that's what's dragging down our life expectancy. It's not – and COVID, too. I mean, our life expectancy dropped several years. All right.
1: This is Heart Health
3: Radio. Have a great week.